All right, guys, here we go. We are going to bust out all types of Minnesota sports talk. We're going to talk Wolves. Towns is back. We're going to tell you why you should be hopeful about the Minnesota Wild. And we are going to break down which sport did the pandemic best. Here we go on Nordy's podcast. All right, guys, here we go. Breaking news. We just finished recording the podcast, and literally the second that we pushed stop recording, we had the news break that Ryan Saunders has been fired by the Minnesota Timberwolves. We talked Ryan Saunders on the pod. You will hear as Jim insults his family. And his <laughs> oh, no. But we talk it. We we don't want you guys to think that we missed this. Ryan Saunders was fired. He had to be. We said it on the podcast. You'll hear it later. Um, but he is gone. He's the worst coach in the NBA. And this, to me, screams that the organization, even though they're the worst organization in all of sports, knows that they can't let another top pick, top prospect, um, you know, falter and, and not reach his potential because of coaching. And so – Ryan Saunders is out. This was a move that should have been done long ago, and I'm glad that the team made it now with hope that they can bring someone in. Anyone you guys think could possibly come in? Okay, I got a tinfoil hat prediction, and this is right off the cuff. This is and this is again this just this so just happened. Brand. This just just happened seconds ago, and I think it's going to be Mike D'Antoni. Um, he's not a head coach currently, so he's obviously available. Um, He's got ties to Gerson Rosas from Houston. Um, I think that, you know, if I had to put, you know, my savings account down on a guy that's going to be the next head coach of the Timberwolves, Gerson Rosas's first call is going to be to Dan Tony. So that's who I'm, that's who I'm picking. I would, I, I think that is a professional coach with a winning record. A record of going deep in playoffs, although not really. I don't. I don't know how many championships he has. I think he won Zero. one with Houston. Zero. Um, well, then he's perfect for us. Um, he fits slots right in. Yeah. He fits right into the culture. I think that would be a good pick, and I think it's it's not a stretch at all. Um, I don't know exactly. I think maybe they call one of the Van Gundys who's retired. Um, maybe Stan out of the the commenting booth. And bring him in. That's kind of who I was looking at last time when they got Tibbs. I didn't really want Tibbs at the time. Or I didn't think we'd get him, one of the two. Um, I don't know. I, I think D'Antoni's a good a good pick. It's it's hard to say. I just hope they're willing to pay somebody a little bit. That's I don't think Mike to be to be fair, I don't think Mike D'Antoni would be cheap. No. I think he would command a pretty solid salary. But yes, I think uh, uh fit in available one. Stan is the head coach of the Pelicans. Jeff is the one that's available. Jeff. Jeff Van Gundy has no, he has no reason to come back to the NBA. He would kill it in the pressers though. He's so entertaining. Uh, Okay. How about we kill it in the box score and fuck the pressers, right? Yeah, I know. I just have no expectations for this team, but hey, this is a good thing. It sucks. We all were cheering for him. We all wanted the Saunders connection to work. Um, and for it to be special and for it to be a kind of the underdog story. Well, it didn't happen. Um, and it, you're exactly right that with Culver, you know, totally stagnant in his development. Um, you just don't want to see that happen again. 
to a, a player that's so, showing potential despite all the decks stacked against him. I'm going to give you guys the names, the hot names on the market. Jeff Van Gundy is a retread. Nate McMillan is a retread. Um, Mark Jackson, who um, had a winning record for Golden State before they got good. Um, Mike D'Antoni, who's had a lot of success all over the NBA. Brett Brown, who was just a disaster for the 76ers. And then Kenny Atkinson is the big name. Um, he is an assistant for the Clippers right now. So um, a lot of retread names, but that's what the NBA is all about. So, hey, yep. we don't want you guys thinking that we weren't talking about this in our podcast. So we came back, gave you this little segment, but the rest of the podcast is great. So listen to it. We talk wolves. We talk wild. We talk all kinds of stuff. And uh, we'll send you guys into that now. And we'll be back with you guys next week. Well, this is breaking news on the Nordies podcast. So here we go. And here we go, Nordies podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How are you guys doing? Excellent. I'm doing very well. And you, brother? I'm doing great because our first podcast this week was so damn good. So go back and check that out. Our screencast, we end our Alien Rewatch. We break down WandaVision like no one else can. We have all kinds of news. It was a great episode. Go check it out. Spread the word. Tell your friends. And also give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordy's Podcast. And uh, get the Nordy's Podcast directly to your phone anywhere you find your favorite podcast. And once and for all, please give us that five-star review. If you've already done it, then take someone's phone subscribe and give them give us a five-star review on their phone too we would appreciate it that's a great move that's please do and it. go through and go through their dms just do check them out do that too all right guys we are all drinking our own beers what are you guys drinking tonight all right i'm uh i'm way out in colorado in a beer that they do not actually export out of colorado i got this like beer box from my brother for my birthday and it showed up mostly frozen so that was a problem but what wasn't frozen um, I was able to drink and this one is four noses out of like, um, Broomfield, Colorado. And it's a super crazy strawberry IPA, um, strawberry vanilla and lactose in it. Really good. Um, I, I wasn't in the impression that the only good beer was made in Minnesota, but this one's really nice. Cool. Uh, like Jimbo, I'm way out of Minneapolis right now. I'm in Brooklyn, New York, visiting an old friend of the podcast. We used to talk about their beers and this is six point mm-hmm. brewery. Um, they have the Red Bull cans of right. beer, if you will. That's um, all this is, voice. Yeah. 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 This is Hootie um, as in Hootie and the Blowfish. This is their version of a hazy IPA. It's not as hazy as I would expect. Um, and it's a little bit bitter, but it's still a pretty good drinkable beer. Also nine 99 for a six pack. Not horrible. Yeah, there you go. All right, guys. I am with our friends at Fair State. They're doing another collab this week. This was their big Imperial Stout with natural flavors. It says, a collaboration with Pulpit Rock Brewing, inspired by our favorite umbrella drinks, an Imperial Stout brewed with tons of coconut, molasses, and house-made orgeat almond and citrus syrup. It's really funky. It's really weird. It's a lot. Um, I wish I was splitting it with you guys. But it is very tasty. Nice. Right Can we start putting stouts in the 12-ounce cans? That would make Please. more sense. Just give me a 12-ounce can. The stout, like, then, they, like, then they, can't get, they can't get rid of it faster than that. You know? I like this beer. I think it is really tasty. I think anyone who tried it would think it was really tasty. But it would be more, 
it would be better if I was drinking 12 ounces instead of six. I think, Eric, you're in the minority of the stout drinkers. And I think if the brewery switched to the 12 ounce cans, the actual like loudest voices in the room, like the, the stout purists would be like, what are you doing? I want 16 ounces. And then mm -hmm. they'd have to switch back. You can't handle a pint of that. I'll tell you what, what you really need is for your wife to start drinking beer so you can share them. Okay. Or COVID goes away and we can all hang out all the time. All right, guys. Here we go. We got a warm up. It's coming from Barter today. What do you got, Barter? Okay, this is a question I asked Eric um, via text, but I thought it would be an interesting look, especially at Minnesota sports, because we tend to thrive in the 75th percentile and never really beyond that, and usually much lower. Um, so my question is: Is it is it worse as a fan going into a game with no expectations? And you're not let down, but your team is usually average or below average or having high expectations and being consistently let down. Mm. High expectations consistently let down is much worse. It stings so badly. And when you're as stupid as I am, even though you're, you've only ever been burned, you somehow talk yourself in every week to believing that you won't get burned this week. And it's I don't agree. I know that that hurts worse for sure, but if you were told what you want is what you're looking for is apathy, and if you have total apathy, then why are you even watching? Like it's it's me with the wolves, man. Like I will watch every fucking game until we're at this point of no return where there's just no re way we're gonna do anything in the season, and I start to care less, and it's not as fun. Even if we were getting blown out in those early games, I'm still like, yeah, but uh, Anthony Edwards got 12 points, uh, you know, pretty good. So, dude, for me, yes, it hurts more, but if there's if there's no hope and you just expect to lose every game, dude, you're going to start tuning out eventually. You don't care as much. The lows are, are – there's no highs. There's fewer lows, but no highs. What do you think, Brian? Because the, because the low is the standard then. Right. You're just living yeah. there. I think, I think you're both right, and I think – I think Eric's right in the in the short term, right? If your team is doing well, like the Case Keenum season with the Vikings, we had the Minnesota Miracle, or sorry, the Minneapolis Miracle. We had the Super Bowl at home. We were going into Philadelphia against a Nick Foles-led Eagles team. Fuck. Our defense, number three in the NFL, that stung. Like, yeah. just getting our asses whipped I, up and down the field. But, but. I was like, yep. But, we're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. First drive, we're in. This is over. This How is game over. Well, I can't believe it. This is amazing. I didn't think I'd live to see the day. And I still haven't. <laughs> but you haven't. But Jimbo's argument with the Timberwolves of like, even when you hire Thibodeau and you trade for Jimmy Butler and you get rid of some like nice pieces that you thought like might be doing well. Um, but basically, ever since Kevin Garnett peaked and left the Timberwolves, it's been subpar sub 500 i think over the long haul that hurts worse than like a one day you know one week kind of thing um but yeah i just thought that i thought the question was interesting because in minnesota we tend to have teams that like you know we'll get to the gophers that are like perennially on the bubble and so even though our expectations are low we buy in at the last minute we did it with the loons we do it with the Wild in the playoffs. We do it with the Vikings late in the season, and, and we're constantly let down. So, 
Can I give you guys uh, just disgusting Timberwolf stat? Sure, I'd, I'd love to hear it. Aaron Gleeman, uh, one of the best local guys in sports, mostly covers the Twins for the Athletic. He's really good, just a little stats nerd. Aaron Gleeman, come on our podcast sometime. He's great, but he has his own podcast, so he doesn't have time for us, but sure. So Aaron Gleeman's Timberwolves history with and without Kevin Garnett, okay? Timberwolves history all time with Kevin Garnett, 513 wins, 457 losses. That's a .529 win percentage. So 53% of the time with Garnett, we won. And we went to the playoffs eight times, okay? With Garnett. Yeah, he, he played, how did he play that many games? That seems not possible. I don't know. I mean, All right. with us? Okay, go ahead. Without Garnett, 474 wins, 1,062 losses, a .309 win percentage, so a 31% win percentage. We've gone to the playoffs once. Yes, you're reading that correctly. Wolves have 39 fewer wins and 605 more losses in games played without Garnett. Wow. I'm guessing I'm guessing they're also counting when KG came back to Jimbo, so there might be you know yeah. 40 games that got added onto that too when he came back. That's I guess it's not surprising. Um, you really can't shock me with a stat about Timberwolves mediocrity. Um, but that one's a that one's a doozy. Can you call it mediocrity with a 31% winning percentage? I mean, I guess it's just downright horribleness. Uh, uh, Garnett played about 13 seasons with the Wolves. Okay, so there you go. That'll add up. Parts of 14. So he was here for a long time. All of our success was with him. All right, guys, we're moving on to our starting lineup. There's lots to cover this week. We're going to start with some Wolves news, actually. You want to know why? Because that's where we're at. We're talking Wolves early in this podcast. The Edwards dunk heard around the world. What'd you guys think? What an explosive play. Wow. Just talk about the ultimate poster. I mean, those, the photos they have, these high def photos of him, like outstretched with the fucking dude, just like getting his face buried. Um, I mean, it's, it's like accidental Renaissance masterwork painting. It's just beautiful and incredibly violent. The dude, he elevates his head, like goes way above the rim when he does these dunks. It's so crazy. I absolutely electric. Um, it's literally the peak of the Timberwolf season, and they lost the game 81 to 89. <laughs> I mean, the game couldn't have been more boring, but that was unbelievable. I spend all my time following the Timberwolves just looking at his stats. Right. I'm just like, oh, what did he do? What did Edwards do? And then when he has a good game, I'm like, yes. Yeah, 30 points, holy shit, or 20, whatever he's got. I look at his his game before I look at the Timberwolves winning and losing. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at right now, and that's a bad place to be. It is, because he's all that matters. Towns and him, yeah. I mean, we'll get into more of it later when we talk more Wolves, but yeah, it's – All right, um, Gopher basketball might be dead. They are getting buried now. Their depth has fallen apart suddenly, and they're not just losing to good teams. They're losing to, to average kind of poor teams now in the Big Ten as well. Do the Gophers make the tournament, and do you guys even really care if they do? I think the only way that – number one, I do care. But number two, I think the only way they make the tournament is if they um, at least win 
two of their remaining Big Ten games and then win at least two games in the Big Ten tournament. And that's going to be a tall order. But the good news is, like, Michigan State's really down. I mean, there's some beatable teams. Like, the other thing we have going, I don't know what our uh, pod one uh, rating is uh, for the Gophers. It's not, not pod one. What is it? Uh, whatever it is uh, against like top tier RPI teams. Um, we do have some quality wins in there. Um, and, you know, losing to number five, Illinois, isn't as bad as it seems like that. That Illinois is an unbelievable team. So I, I think we've got enough uh, quality wins in there. Not a lot of road wins, uh, but I think, you know, in a year that Duke is on the bubble and North Carolina is on the bubble I think the Gophers have a chance to sneak in, but we're going to have to play pretty good basketball down the stretch. I heard Patino was like six and 36 on the road. Wouldn't surprise me. That's crazy. Tubby was like, Tubby Smith was way better on the road. Like, and he, we all were like, get rid of him. He sucks. You know, like dude, Patino is, if they don't make the tournament this year, he's got to go. Um, Patino or Saunders, who should go first? What's up? Patino or Saunders, who should go first? They can both go home to their daddies <laughs> <laughs> at the same time. They'll hold hands out of town. Ooh. Um... Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. All right, guys. Uh, next up, Carson Wow. Carson Wentz gets traded Wentz. after a Let's disaster. Move on. Yeah. Through a disastrous season with Philadelphia, Wentz is officially the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Now people think that rejoining with former offensive coordinator who had the most success with Frank Reich, who was one of the better coaches in the NFL, along with arguably the best offensive line, a great run game and a few weapons and a good defense um, could salvage uh, what looked to be a promising career from Carson Wentz. Does this move scare you? It's an AFC team who's not really a rival, so it probably doesn't matter. Um, do you think Wentz will be successful in Indy? Probably not. Um, I don't really think so. But, I mean, I get the move, I guess, right? It's like Low the risk. guy's got an upside. You've seen him play games where he was great through, you know, four touchdowns and looked awesome. Um, but he has not been that guy for a long time. Yeah, 2007. I mean, he's got, he was he's, a- got RG, he's got RG3 written all over him at this point. That's a- and I, 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 don't, I don't think – I think he's a little bit better of a quarterback – than RG3, but just given like the mobility issues and the injuries and it's all starting to like add up in a way. And I, I feel like that's more where his career is trending as opposed to like a Drew Brees who had like a shoulder issue and then found the right coordinator and started killing it. So I think, I think he's more of an RG3 than, than Drew Brees. Yeah, I, I do think that the Colts will be pretty good. And I think if he can give you them even what Phillip Rivers gave them this year, I think that they're still a good team in the AFC. But I don't think he's good enough to win a Super Bowl or even stay healthy that long. Okay. Moving on, guys. We're going to baseball, where the most exciting part of the year is about to happen. Pitchers and catchers are going to be showing up for spring training. Do not <laughs> care about this at all? There's Woo. no news that I hate more than when they pretend that this is a big deal. No, I agree. It, I just thought it was like worthy of mentioning. So they did report um, for the Twins, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle COVID protocol 
in a spring training bubble. But I think the other the reason that this is important is that we're going to hopefully get to see some of our young players in the Twins organization. And I don't I don't care what Barrios or Matt Shoemaker or Josh Donaldson do in spring training. I, I literally couldn't give a shit less. Keep Byron Buxton off the field for all games. Don't just have him take batting practice or have him DH. Like, don't have him play the outfield. I, I, I have no reason that he, he has no reason to play center field in any spring training game. Or maybe play the first inning. Ah, catch a fly ball. All right, hit hit the showers. You're out of here. But let's let's take a look at some of the young guys. Let's take a look at Rooker, Kirilov, Nick Gordon, any of the non-roster invitees uh, that might have a shot of making the team, and let's see what they can do. That's the most important part of spring training. Um. Yeah. I just. I. I'm. I get it. I know that they have to do this, but spring training is also the least exciting the sports at the beginning of the year in my opinion um there's just infinity guys that will never make the team there and i'm excited for baseball to come back because that means that inevitably winter is over and summer is right around the corner um but it's going to take me a little while to get myself into twins mode fair enough but i am in uh the the fernando tatis jr mode because he just signed a 14 year contract for 340 million dollars he's a 21 year old superstar jim you might remember him as the guy who um sports radio and sports tv couldn't stop talking about the fact that he hit a 3-0 uh grand slam late in the game that they were winning by like 12 runs and then all baseball had to be like Oh, that's an unwritten rule not to have fun and try to hit home runs. Oh, yep. Oh, God. Yes, I remember that. Okay, so that was him. Him and like he's like the most exciting young player in the league, and we had to like he had to apologize for hitting a home run. Like, get out of here! Wow, that's baseball. So that's crazy. I mean, three hundred something million, three forty million, fourteen years. Now, here's what I wanted to bring this up for. So he is the son of Fernando Tatis, who was like a pretty decent professional baseball player. He has been a phenom on his way up since he was a kid. As I believe a high schooler, he signed, as soon as high school was done, he signed with an agency that like prepays young baseball players. Yes. He signed a $27 million deal as like a 18 year old kid with this, like this, like investment group, like these guys like invested money and gave him like 27 million upfront as a kid. Wow. And then he made it into the pros. And now I believe they get 30, 30 million or something back, like some small fee. Oh, I hope they'd get more than that. It's not much. It's not much more. Wow. But they get like some small profit, but they get a big chunk of that contract. Then playing in California, and this isn't me complaining about this. We should pay taxes and have nice things. But in California, you know, they have pretty high taxes, especially for people who are wealthy. So he's making $169 million over 14 years, which is still a shit ton of money. But it is not quite as much money as it seems. So, so a, little, a little over $10 million a year. Yeah. Essentially. It'd be nice. Could be a pittance, a pittance, <laughs> scrape by. I yeah. do think that baseball is so stupid, though, that they're a league that allows fourteen-year contracts. 
I mean, isn't that what we did with like Zach Preezy and Suter pretty much? <laughs> That's what it feels like. No one regretted it. And that didn't go well for us. So when he gets hit by a fucking bus, what happens? I mean I think that sports should just well, what's the uh what's the uh the number on San Diego's he plays for the Padres, right? Yeah. Yeah, their their infield is worth like a billion dollars or something. A billion dollars, yeah, yeah, whatever it is between him and Machado and the other guy. So here's my thing. I think that collectively in sports, all sports should have a rule that you can't sign for more than five years unless you're a transcendent quarterback. Like Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes getting the like 10-year, half a billion dollar deal or whatever it was. You know, like Did, he's, he's not on a 10-year deal, is he? Yeah, he just signed. Okay. 10 years, right. $450 million. Like just insane money. Like I get it. That, that works for me. But the only difference is, like in the NFL, you can be cut after, like, depending on how it's written in your contract, you can be cut. They owe you nothing. Yeah. Like baseball's money is guaranteed, and <laughs> NBA money is guaranteed. If I was ten, you know I mean? I'd, I'd stop trying. Yeah, you're made. I mean, you did it. You. It's over. You got to pay me four hundred and fifty, or no, three hundred forty million, no matter what I do. So. Jeez. Thanks, guys. That's so that is so interesting. Hmm. All right, guys, so let's move on to a little more talk when it comes to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, Carl Anthony Towns is back, which is great. It does feel good to have Towns back. Um, but overall, the team is lacking uh, when it comes to the roster. I did hear that Jake Lehman had been playing well. He got benched, and he said, guys, uh, you know, it sucks, but there's just so many guys on the team that are playing well that I understand it. And <laughs> it's really like the worst team in the NBA. So a couple well, of things. Um, Carl Anthony Towns PER is about 24. It's like top 10 in the NBA. He's averaging 21 and a half points, um, two blocks a game, 11 rebounds. Towns is a transcendent player. And even though he hasn't acted like it, he is the kind of building block that a good franchise needs in place to be good. But you just aren't getting enough out of the rest of the team. If I told you to name their, their top five scorers, what would you guys go with? Uh, you'd go with, Towns, unfortunately, you'd go with Rubio. No, nope. you'd go, you'd go with Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt maybe. Nope. Nas you go with Beasley. Nas Reed is number five. Beasley's number two. Yep. Um, Edwards rounded out at three and four, and number five okay. is Jalen Noel. That's where we're at on this team. Right <laughs> now. Um, so this has a serious depth problem. Um, Rubio looks to be like a disaster uh, trade move. At I point. fucking knew he's garbage. Like, I was so not excited about that trade. Well, I was excited because I thought he was going to be like a bench guy and not get the type of minutes he gets. Yeah. He is dead we, weight on the court like he always has been. That's what we said was that we thought he would come in and he would start initially and then move to the bench. Well, he started on the bench and then now has moved into playing heavy, heavy minutes. And despite tonight's stat line for him, it has been pretty much abysmal. Um, a couple other shocking stats. Jared Vanderbilt, uh, one of the leading rebounders on the team. That's a problem. Um, you have uh, Josh Kogi is currently only ahead of Ed Davis and Ashton Haggins in points per game at 4.8 points per game. What happened to Josh Kogi, former first-round pick? Guy is an absolute disaster. Um, Jaden McDaniels is uh, one of the lone bright spots for us, averaging mm-hmm. five and a half points as a rookie, mid-20s pick. Guy is not efficient at all, but hopefully he could be a player for us at some point. 
Um, Jared, is, he the block, is he the block machine? Uh, yep. Yes, he's got a but yeah. he, he yeah, does. He's pretty good defensively. Yeah. Um, Jarrett Culver is not the sixth overall pick that we were hoping when we got him. He averages eight points a game. It's a problem. Um, this is the town show, and it should be the Edward show or the Russell show, but we found out that Russell is out for four to six weeks after being out for a week or two before that. Um, he has, is having a procedure done on his knee. And here's the craziest thing, guys. We traded away what could be an incredibly valuable draft pick and Andrew Wiggins to get Russell so he could pair him with his best buddy, Carl Anthony Towns. And in almost 13 months of playing together, they have played exactly five games together. I asked, I think I texted, maybe it was Ryan about that. Like, how many games have they even played? I, th- I guessed four, but yeah, five. I mean, it's just crazy. It's like, it's almost a joke. Like, you know that as soon as one of them gets healthy, I could have bet, I could have bet you that, Russell was going out. It's crazy. They never play together. We don't even know what the fuck team we have. I mean, you kind of look at like, you can blame Saunders all you want. Um, but like, does he even know what he has? He uh, never sees his, his best players play together. Saunders is a terrible coach, but um, yes. I don't think he does. It's pretty painful, guys. So yeah. uh, moving from one team that feels kind of hopeless outside of Edwards and Towns, uh, maybe maybe a guy like um, McDaniels. You know, there's a couple pieces that look like NBA pieces at this time, but there's nothing to be too excited about. There is a team in, in, this, in the state to be excited about, and that's a team that I usually don't talk about like I'm going to, and that is the Minnesota Wild. All right, so let me sell you guys on why we should feel good about a wild team that we know is destined for the seventh seed in the playoffs before <laughs> the first came out. So yep. they're leading scorer on the season. All right. Are you ready for this? Do you guys know who it is? Kaprizov. It is Kaprizov. They're rookie. Yes. He's the leading scorer on the team. He is 23 years old. Okay. A rookie is 11 points, three goals, eight assists. Fastest player in wild history by five games to reach 10 points. Okay. So he's off to a great start. He's going to lead all rookies. He's probably going to be the rookie of the year. He's 23 years old. Their second leading scorer is Jordan Greenway, 24-year-old forward who's had a breakout year so far. Their third leading scorer is 24-year-old center Joel Eriksson Ek, who's had a breakout year. And their fourth leading scorer is 24-year-old wing Kevin Fiala, who has had now two years in a row where he's looked like a really nice player, really good piece. So their four best players on their team, uh, points-wise, are all 24 and under which feels pretty good. And in hockey, that's a really good age. Then ESPN did a ranking of their, their teams that were the best prospects in the league. Their number one team was the absolutely tragically bad Los Angeles Kings, who have stockpiled elite prospects now for a few years. They're on the verge of being a big-time team if these prospects pan out even a little bit. Number two is the New York Rangers. That's mostly because of Lafreniere, who was the number one pick in the draft this last year, um, who's one of the big prospects in the world. Uh, the Ottawa Senators, who are perennially a shitty team um, and also have the worst logo and team name, Ottawa Senators, with the shittiest brown logo I've ever seen. It's unbearable. I can't even I actually that. already forgot their name. Yeah. So let's move on. Yeah. And number four, the Minnesota Wild. This okay. Preseason, okay? Preseason. Now, I'm going to bring you down a little bit, but I'm going to tell you reasons to be excited. They have their top ten prospects. Um, I'm just going to give you a, a few of them. There's a couple Russian centers um, that people are excited about, but they're four big ones. Uh, Kaprizov was number one because this was preseason. He had not played yet. 
He was one of their top five prospects on all of ESPN. Marco Rossi, who they just took ninth in the draft, uh, fell to them. They're really excited. They think this kid could be a superstar. But, guys, this is so sad. On his way to camp this year, they thought he might make an instant impact as a rookie. He got COVID, and he's had such bad problems with his health from having COVID that he's out for the season. Wow. Welcome to Minnesota. Isn't that just terrible? Um, terrible. So that's that happened. That sucks. Their big young rookie has COVID problems with his his lungs and stuff that are so bad he's out for the year. But they also drafted a kid named Matt Boldy last year who is a big American forward. Um, I believe he's at Boston University. Someone's going to correct me on that. It's either Boston College or Boston University, but he's a beast. And then Kalen Addison, who they traded Jason Zucker for. He's a defenseman. He's even played a couple games here because of COVID. All of them are A-rated prospects. A lot of teams only have one of them. We have four of them on our team. One of them's already coming uh, well with Kaprizov. I think it's about time for us to get excited about the Wild. Those contracts of Parisi and Suter are about to come off the books. I think they have mm-hmm. one last year. They're getting old. They're both 36 years old. How did I sell you on getting excited about the Wild? Well, I'm sold, and they're pretty good now. I mean, I know they're playing like the Ducks, which I guess are such a bad team that everybody puts up seven goals on them. But, um, you know, knocked out a couple of those wins. They're doing well. They look good. Um, and this is something to build on, right? It's not like it's not like the Wolves now where you're like, well, we're the, the youngest team, which they are, but they're trash. They're trash. It's not fun. This is like we're building on something that's already solid with the Wild. Yeah, I, I like a lot of these players on this team. Actually, as a state of hockey, we should have good players. Um, it does kind of suck there's not more Minnesotans on the team, but we'll take what we can get. We need a good hockey team on the ice, and it is fun to watch guys like Kaprizov and Fiala and uh, Greenway and Eck, Erickson Eck, you know, come in and, and make a difference this year as, as young guys, all under 25 players um, who, you know, will be the future of this franchise, hopefully. The only thing that I, that worries me is that, you know, we had this four years ago, right? Five years ago, we had Gremlin, we had Nino. Yeah, I mean, we, we had all these young guys coil across the board. We're like, these guys are finally hitting their prime. They're 25 years old. They're, they're – any any time now they're going to take off and and this friend we got Parise and Suter we got veterans we still got Miko like we we have a great blend of everything and it amounted to nothing so um, I'm skeptical um, I don't think Jordan Greenway is yet an NHL uh, ready talent I think Erickson Eck is Kaprizov has already shown that he is um, so I'm I'm skeptic. Uh, I'm skeptically optimistic at best. Okay, Greenway on the year, two goals, nine assists. He's had a really good start here. I understand. And, you know, Granlin had very similar statistics. I think Greenway is a better player overall. Uh, But, again, I'm just – I want to be optimistic, but hockey's so difficult to predict. Um, And then one other thing on on Parise – is that he's making $8 million this season, $6 million next season. He's not a rest- he's not an unrestricted free agent until he's 41 years old. He's still, he's still under contract for five years. 
We're feeling positive. <laughs> well, hey, man, it's all truth. We got to weigh it out here. Um, in his in his last three seasons, he makes two million, one million, and one million. He will so, not. Huh? He will not see those years. No, he won't. Right. He'll, buy He'll just see the money. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, guys. I'm excited. You. It worked on me, Eric. Um. I should watch more. I don't often, but as the hype builds, if they start winning and these young guys are doing well, it takes a certain threshold. And then I start watching a lot of hockey. So I wanted to get there. That means we're doing well. The only, the only real caveat would be, I think despite all of those players would be goaltending. And I don't know. I know Cam Talbot's pretty decent. And the, who's the other guy Harkonnen or whatever his name is. Um, is okay, but Cam, Cam Talbot's supposed to be the number one. And if you don't have good goaltending in NHL, then everything else is pretty much irrelevant. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on those two. All right, guys. So we will move on from the NHL to one of the best leagues in the world. That's the English Premier League. We love soccer here. Um, I would say that um, I would say that none of us are totally happy with our team. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely for me. I mean, I mean, Eric, are you a, are you remotely happy with Arsenal, Eric, at all? Um, I I'm excited that they have a couple of young building blocks that are going to be really good, but um, the the fall was really a hard time. <laughs> yeah, but they they they're uh, there's actually uh, the table for um, this since the start of 2021. Um, Arsenal's goal differential is third in the league, and their record is fifth. So. I mean, they're at least on the right track. They just they dug themselves such a hole that the it will never look good, no matter what happens the rest. Dude, of the I do not want to see Liverpool's twenty twenty one table. Well, I will tell you. I mean, they have to be fifteenth or whatever. So here's your table: um, Southampton twentieth, uh, West Brom, Newcastle, Liverpool seventeenth. There you go. Wins, one draw, six losses, Crazy. minus goal differential. Uh, Crazy. Right below Sheffield United, Leeds, Crystal Palace, Aston Villa, Spurs, Everton, Fulham. Uh, r- the top of them, actually, Arsenal is in sixth. They have, uh, you know, a plus minus of nine. Man United fifth, Chelsea fourth, Leicester third, West Ham second with the second best goal, goal differential. And Man City is absolutely running away with the thing. Yeah, Jimbo, you think you can dust off? You think, you think you can dust off Jess's uh, West Ham kit and uh, pretend it's your own? It's a great kit. I've I've worn it before. I might wear it again. But um, you know, I don't get down with the bubbles. I don't blow bubbles. Um, although he is back in town, but that ain't gonna happen. Um, we are gonna break down, guys. We're gonna break down a few of the leagues here and just what's happening. Man United. I'm sorry, Man City at this point. Um, according to 538, has a 99% chance, a greater than 99% chance to win the league. God, it sucks. It's over. It's over. What's the chances of making top four? Do you have that in front of you as well? Um, their chances of making top four uh, for Liverpool is currently at 55%. Oh, my God. I think that's high. So so their, their odds right now for top four are City at 99+, plus, uh, United at 84, Leicester at 68, Liverpool at 55, and... Chelsea at 49, West Ham at 21. So it seems to be a battle between your two teams for the final spot in the Champions League next year. 
I mean, I think Leicester is Leicester is like the most underrated team. I mean, they're they're crushing people, and every all everyone's talking about is City, which I think is right where Leicester wants to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a this is a this, this is a four horse race for two spots. Um. Yeah. I mean, the projection right now is that City is going to win the league by eighteen points. <laughs> I, like it's not close. And the other thing that's crazy about this year is that the relegation battle might be over as well. Um, West Brom is 98% relegated. Sheffield United is 97% relegated and Fulham who has a, a big hole to climb out of is 46% to Newcastle's 33. I think all three of those teams are going down without Newcastle. Yeah, they're yeah. Um, the premier league, we talk about how it's a great, great thing, but they have no playoffs and two, two years in a row, the season has been completely decided with like months to play. Is that a problem to you guys? Yeah, because Liverpool's not there. I mean, you I mean, know. Just, I mean, just like in the, like yeah. you cheering, enjoying watching the Premier League, is it a problem that the league is just decided and it's not even March yet? Well, I mean. It sucks a little bit, especially when it's a, a shit bit. team like City. But like, I mean, when we watch the NBA playoffs, you kind of know who the final four teams are going to be, if not the championship matchup, like going into it. Like you, you, you have a pretty good idea. Um, but does that mean that the NBA playoffs aren't interesting and fun to watch? I think um, the NFL is the only league that, and well, sorry, the NHL is that way, but who cares about the NHL playoffs? But like, as far as like the major leagues, I don't think it's a problem so long as the trend doesn't always continue this way. And I think Liverpool caught lightning in a bottle coming off their Champions League win. Um, they lost to City by one point and they were on a different level. But it's so hard to repeat that I don't think, you know, I don't think City's going to have the same success going into next season. Like, they have some guys that are are playing out of their minds and nobody thought like who thought Gundawan is going to be this like world beating scorer for sheen no, midfield. But nobody, nobody was like, ah, uh, yeah, if one of the top scorers in the premier league is going to be Ilke Gundawan for city this season, like no, nobody would have predicted him. So um, while it's not over because the, the, the lead is not insurmountable at this point, but city would have to take a Liverpool and no offense, Jim, but like a Liverpool, like dive of like four losses at home in a row that hasn't happened since 1926 type of situation um, in order for them to, to get back into it. So, or sorry for city to fall back out of it. So I, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I think again, Liverpool season was an anomaly last year. Um, there's probably been times in the history of the premier league where there was a team or two teams that were like really good and kind of ran away with it, you know, every other season or, or traded that type of stuff. So I think it was um, like the nineties and the first half of the two thousands when Arsenal and I knew you were going to talk about the invincibles. Don't care. Um, United though. I mean, United won the most titles. The two of them won every title for like for over a decade. Yeah. And, And now they don't win anything. So no, I just, um, you just said, though, you were like, in the history, there was probably a time where two teams dominated. Oh, sure. sure. Like, it was just a time where the league was just a two-horse race for a decade at a time. You know, I think at this point, 
um, the league has evened itself out enough that a team like Leicester can finish and win the league one year, can finish in the top four year after year. You know, for two years, it looks like Liverpool are building a dynasty that will never fall apart. And now they have their worst stretch in in at home since 1923. Right. Like, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. I don't really understand it. I was actually hoping you guys could explain how in English football this could happen. Um, the absolute, although we don't have any of our major scorers hurt, nobody's scoring. Um, it's very weird. Our top flight, amazing number two, number one or number two rated goalkeeper in the world is playing like he's, you know, 50, 60th rated. Um, I don't get it. Is it just Klopp's over it and they're all over Klopp or what? I well, think it's just, it's, it's just very diff, It's very difficult to sustain that level of success that you had last season. Be it, obviously, you lost arguably one of the best players in the world. And I don't just mean just, like at their position. Be on, you know, I know that we have the center back curse. Um, but, dude, is that really like. <laughs> that explains how about that explains three of our losses i mean think about it like, Fair enough, but but then but then what you're doing is that then you're taking jordan henderson who's normally a midfielder and now you're moving him back to play center back which he's not normally used to playing and now you have to plug someone else into that hole and so the role that he played is not being played like there, like there's that chemistry thing of like hendo knows where everyone's going at all points but he's not going to be the guy passing the ball into the channels and figuring that stuff out. So like everything is different for a team that was used to a system that worked flawlessly for two straight seasons. And now okay. you have all these different wrinkles. And so it's, it's almost like saying um, uh, uh, Justin Jefferson, we, all of our running backs got hurt. So now you're going to play running back for us. And now we're going to plug this other guy into receiver. And and this is a stupid example, right? Because this would never happen. Yeah. But you can't like just take someone who's the one of the best at their position, move them to another one because you have to fill a hole and then expect the gap to be filled at the other position because mm -hmm. eh, they're, they're pretty good, but they're not quite to the level of this person. So I, I think there's just something to be said about so many injuries and – they lost uh, – who's the guy that got hurt in the meaningless FA Cup game that they signed from Wolves? Jota. Jota, yeah. who was scoring goals for them, and now they don't have another option at that position. So everything just sort of like tipped over the for Liverpool. Crazy. I just didn't know if that was enough to explain it, but let I hope me, it is. Let me give you an even better Vikings example, okay? 09 Vikings, 08, 09 Vikings, Brett Favre. They catch lightning in a bottle. They're one of the best teams in the league. They go into the playoffs. They absolutely dismantle, um, I believe it was the Cowboys that year. And then they went on to the NFC Championship game at New Orleans where they dominated the Saints, but they turned the ball over five times. Harvin and Favre and Peterson kept turning it over. Favre throws across his body, bounty gate, the phantom pass interference call, the old overtime rules, everything goes against them. They lose a game that they should have won easily because they were the be they were the better team, maybe the best team in the league at that point. They decide to bring it all back the next year. All the old guys, bring them all back, bring the whole team back. But what happened is, is some of those guys aged out, and they probably should have cut a few of those guys and went and got a couple of new pieces. 
bringing back Bobby Firmino, who sucked last year and has been even worse this year, was a problem. Then on mm-hmm. top of that, it would be like if all of your defensive backs got hurt for months at a time. You know, okay. like yeah. safety are out, and then suddenly your path defense isn't very good. Well, you know, you didn't have that last year. You didn't have that bad injury luck last year. And so I think it's just like they should have been investing in this team instead of just trying to run it back one more time. And I think they got stuck running it back. And if they would have brought in a premier center forward, if they would have been like, we're, we're the richest team in the world right now, we're bringing in Mbappe or we're bringing in Holland. We're going to bring in one of these superstar strikers that no one else can even afford other than us because we just won the Champions League and the league. They would have been in a different place than they are right now. I would have loved to see that. I think they were cheap. I think they made a mistake. I think they lost their their edge here and they tried to play it smart and they tried to play with the cheapest way they could for a team that had infinity money and it bit them in the ass. And now they are crumbling because of the injury problems. And so, yeah, I think the league is crazy, but one what is even crazier. They could still win the champions league. So let's move on quickly to the champions league. The, the uh, teams that have no chance in hell, Gladbach, Lazio, Sevilla, Leipzig and Porto and even Barcelona, a huge name but a trash team, they give all of them less than 1% chance to win the Champions League, okay? Okay. That brings you down to 10 teams. Uh, Atalanta, Atletico Madrid each at 3%, Juventus with Cristiano Ronaldo at 4%, Borussia Dortmund, Chelsea, and Real Madrid at 6%, PSG at 7%. That brings us to our three favorites to win the Champions League according to 538. Third place, Liverpool, 10% chance to win the Champions League. So even in a terrible season in the Premier League, they are still seen as one of the true favorites with a 24% chance to make the finals, a 48% chance to make the semifinals. Bayern Munich in second at 12% chance to win the whole thing, and the heavy favorites to win it all, 41% chance, according to 538, is Man City the best team in the world. God, if they double up, I'd be so pissed. I just hope they get not, knocked not out. Not only double up, they might quad up. <laughs> yeah. They might win it all. They're, 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 they have the, the biggest winning streak of any English team ever. Are they going to – I mean, do you think they're going to crap out against Spurs in the Carabao Cup? No. 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 They're going to ruin them. I, they're gonna, um, I pray they do. They're going to they're gonna win the league most likely. Um, they And equally as – I mean – they're up by enough. Scary. Equally, equally as scary, they have a chance to win the FA Cup. So that's three. And they should make a pretty solid run in the Champions League. They could win all four. They're the best team in the world right now, and it's scary. Ugh. I thought they fell off last year. I thought so, too. Damn it. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, anything else to add? Uh, if you guys are really curious, um, the – Europa League has multiple English teams in it. That's the only reason it's even fun to talk about. Um, and they're top seven most likely to win the title uh, teams. Leicester in seventh, Tottenham in sixth, Arsenal in third, Man United in first. So the Europa League has been taken over by the English Premier League. And also next year, there's going to be a new second Europa League made just for Arsenal probably. Uh, <laughs> they can still play in European competition. It's going to be a third European tournament. It's called like the the Europa Conference, the Europa Conference League, and it's a wow. third European league. Just cheapening all this bullshit. Got to get that money. 
got to keep getting that money. That's what it really comes down to. So, and that will be on uh, Peacock streaming for nine ninety nine a month. Absolutely. <laughs> so you can you can you got to buy ESPN Plus, Peacock. Oh no, Peacock already has the Premier League. Sorry, uh, the joke doesn't work. But I was trying to think of a, of a third streaming service uh, that just to watch your team. Uh, playoff soccer would be on. Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah, we're... I don't get to watch these fucking Champions League games. It's just tragic. I mean, would you pay $3 to watch it? Yeah. Okay, so just buy the goddamn CBS All Access for $6.99, and you get two games for $3.50 apiece. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> God damn it. All right, I'm going to have them all. I'm, I'm, dude, you talk about uh, the Infinity Stones. I'm going to have them all. You're going to have all of them, and you're going to I'm going to be the gauntlet of streaming. The, the Infinity Streams, yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, all right, guys, finally, the metal stand for this week. Uh, this one is a little more close to home. Hopefully it doesn't have to last much longer. But what is the best pandemic sport? So not which sports league did it the best other than, uh, you know, for your own enjoyment watching it on TV. What yeah. translated the best to your television screen? It's basketball. And we all it know the NBA. It. It's the NBA. They were the most yeah, responsible. Bubble NBA? Bubble NBA. Bubble or- NBA. Or and still, this NBA is still good, and I'll tell you why. Um, the NFL went off pretty well. Um, I was impressed. They didn't have to can. I mean, they canceled some games. People sat. It didn't wasn't perfect, but it worked. But dude, you got to remember during a pandemic, you're at home on the weeknights. Like you're at home on the weekends. You want more, and the NBA is on every night, damn near. Um, so for a sport that rewards you for sitting at home and watching TV. I think it's basketball. Um, very few players got it. I mean, you would definitely have some, some stars sit towns got it, you know, but, um, mostly they're playing mostly the sport feels almost the same and it's more often. That's my, that's my pick. Okay. NBA, especially bubble though, right? Yeah. The bubble was elite. I can't believe that works so well. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I did like Project Restart. I thought that was I thought that was great, but that had a lot to do with like Chelsea playing well too. So I don't I don't know how well soccer without fans translates. Like the NBA crowd isn't necessarily like you're not that not, crazy about the game. It's not needed. Like they they get you know, aroused at like certain moments of the game. And sometimes there's a defense like chant or whatever, but it's not like instrumental. Whereas like, it's this- mostly a thing to go show out to be like, I'm fancy. I'm at the, the, the game. I mean, it's really not like there's no tailgating. There's no face painting, you know, it's a different vibe. Yeah. And like, but like for like premier league soccer and just soccer in general in, in especially in Europe, like the fans are so integral, like with the chants and the singing and the taunting and all of that stuff. It's much more fun to have it be like real life, you know, singing. Um, so I think it's I think it's the NBA bubble for sure. Uh, baseball was whatever. Fine. I think the NFL did a pretty good job, but also it's kind of boring without the fans, too. Um for that. So I'm going to give it to the NBA as well. Um, it kind of kills our metal stand because you need, <laughs> but um, I'm going to go with uh, 
we'll put Project Restart up there. I'm going to go with the NFL. Okay. The NFL was the craziest one of all. Um, they literally said, we are not going to delay anything. We are not canceling a game. They canceled zero games. They had one game where a team had no quarterbacks. I will say that, which was some bullshit. The Broncos but, had to do that. How did, what did they do? Just they run just, it a lot? Who played quarterback in college out there, and he was just horrible. He wasn't even an NFL player. He was on their practice squad as a wide receiver. Wow. That's um, it was a disaster. But I will say this. Um, it was it was remarkable that the NFL made it through the very difficult fall, missing zero games. They had fans in many of their stadiums, which I thought was crazy, and somehow it worked. They made it through the playoffs in the Super Bowl without ever having to delay even a single game. The NFL was very needed this year, and the only thing that was crazy was that home field advantage went out the window. The home field team won about 60% of the games before COVID and only 50% of the games during COVID. It became a really. I love the data. I love that. That's such. That's amazing to me. There was no home field advantage. Yeah. In the NFL. It's, it's the fans. It's not even the stadium. Look at that. I love it. it it's just the noise that that your, the other team has to deal with on offense. Mm-hmm. That lets your pass rush get off a little early. That takes games over. And there is no better team to look at than the Minnesota Vikings. One of the best home field advantages in the NFL. If just 1.8% of their drives would have went differently, they're an 11-win team, and they're comfortably in the playoffs. And that would have happened with home field advantage. Home field advantage mm. changed the NFL this year. I'm not saying it changed who should have won the Super Bowl, but it definitely changed some of the playoff teams and teams who had historically good home field advantages didn't have that this year, and it showed in their records. The Vikings were one of those teams. So I think it was remarkable, even if I think I might have enjoyed Bubble NBA more. I love Project Restart. I think that the most impressive was the NFL. Okay. Well, we will let the fans decide, as always. We will put it to Instagram. Uh, oh, Instagram story. Then, Go then, then, but then for this, I'll pick I'll pick Project Restart as my as my pick. Then, sure. Since I, I, I kind of thought about them a little bit. Jim went first. He was smart. He hopped right on Bubble NBA. We all <laughs> best. But you know that's that's who I had to pick. If you had jumped in and took the bubble from me, oh, he doesn't brutal. watch. He doesn't watch any other sports. So <laughs> exactly <laughs> true. All right, guys, that is it. That's all the time we have this week on the Northeast Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Go back, check out our screencast. It was great. We bust up WandaVision, the best show on TV right now. We finish up our Alien rewatch. There's all kinds of good stuff on that episode, so go check that out. Also, definitely give us that five-star review. You listen to two whole podcasts. We're best friends. We just became best friends, and we need that five-star review. So please leave that for us. But otherwise, thank you guys for listening to not one, but two great episodes of the Nordies podcast this week. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye.